This is a show with no particular niche, baby. It's always about hanging out. Maybe we'll laugh at some stuff. Maybe we'll learn something new. But it's always about hanging out, me and you. Welcome to That Thing with James. I'm your host, James. And this is usually a podcast about nothing in particular. However, in this episode, I am once again continuing the reading of my grandpa's diary of his trip to the Eastern Bloc in 1978. And now that I've already hit record, I just remembered. Grandpa, if you can hear me, please do not monkey around with the equipment. It worked out well last time. The first few episodes, well, the first few free episodes... I kind of sort of lost all the video because, uh, well, I recorded the whole thing, and then once I hit stop record, everything vanished. Well, all the video vanished, but the audio survived. But the third free episode survived, and that's because I, uh, well, I updated the firmware on my camera, and I asked my grandfather to kindly not mess with the equipment, and also that I am doing this out of respect and curiosity and education. This is in no way to criticize or mock you, your family, your legacy, anything like that. Okay? Okay. So, yes, if you did not know, if you don't know what the fuck is going on, this show's usually about whatever the hell I feel like talking about. It's just that sort of a thing. I've tried making it about different stuff, have niche topics, and it never really worked out. My own niche topic is having no fucking niche topic. I'm the product, baby, and I'm bringing to you whatever falls into my lap, such as the copy of my grandpa's diary of his trip to the Eastern Bloc in the year 1978. So quick update, in case you don't know, my grandpa, uh, may he rest in peace, was a World War II veteran who served in the European theater. He was at the Battle of the Bulge, at Verdun, so on and so forth. He saw a lot of horrible stuff. And uh, he also happens to be, I be- I still haven't looked th- looked up if this is the right terminology, but I believe it's correct, a first-generation Polish-American, meaning his mom came on a boat from Poland, albeit with Austrian papers, because World War I had begun, and Austria had, you know, taken over some of Poland. So she came to the States with Austrian papers, but she was very much a Polish person, and very much spoke only Polish uh, until the day she died and grew up. So my grandpa grew up in this Polish-speaking household, although he became at least bilingual, a little bit of quadrilingual. Um, you know, he grew up spoke speaking Polish, uh, but also English. He went to, I think, UMass on a football scholarship. Uh, he was a boxer during the Great Depression. Uh, I, I think he was like the oldest of like seven kids. Um, I'm not sure where the dad was, if the dad was even alive. Um, there's a lot of pieces of my grandpa John's history that I've picked up on here and there, and it it still doesn't make a complete picture. So, uh, I have yet to go through and come up with a 
a complete story, but I have fragments. I have fragments of sentences to sort of infer a, a paragraph, a story, a picture, if you will. Um, uh, lots of missing tiles, but a general idea of what this mosaic is supposed to look like. Um, so yeah, he was, he served in World War II and came back and uh, at some point over the span of like the, I guess the 70s, um, my grandpa started a genealogical research and he got as far back as he could for the states, which, you know, isn't that far. Um, you know, he could get to Ellis Island uh, and then he, you know, he figured out he has, so well, of course, he still had relatives in Poland. And so he got their names and addresses and uh, reached out to them via letter. And some of these people started asking my grandpa and I think one of his sisters for commodities that either they, uh, the people in Poland, the Polish relatives, either had great difficulty acquiring or just straight up could not get. Like, for example, Levi's blue jeans. Uh, they couldn't really get those. So for a number of years, my grandpa and his sister had been sending uh, provisions and things uh, per request of some of these relatives. The thing is, though, that eventually became a bit of a, a sticky situation, not legally speaking, but more of a, uh, let's say, moral or ethical kind of a situation. Because as my grandpa found out in person, once he had gotten involved and had spent weeks with his European relatives, he came to discover that he actually might not fully be able to trust everything they said or trust their intentions. There was one person in particular. It was not Eugenia. Eugenia, I believe, was the one who picked him up from the train station after guards have given him a shakedown on the train. But there was another relative who, uh, yeah, my grandpa just kind of figured out in person was uh, totally... Um, not really on the up and up, kind of greedy, kind of using her American relatives, her American cousins. And that one person, uh, that one cousin whose name I cannot think of right now, even lied and said that she was the only relative that my grandpa had in this particular area. Uh, and then he finds out like a week or two later that, oh, no, there's a whole ass other relative with a whole ass family that the first cousin had fucking lied about and said didn't even exist. And there's a lot of intrigue. And it's like, can I trust this person? Can I believe what they're saying? Are they trying to work one over on me? Are they trying to, in his turn, in, yeah, in, in terms he used, quote unquote, skin me? Um yeah, there's a lot of that going on that you don't really suspect until like 
each new paragraph reveals a new layer of uh, uh, of information, of history, of intrigue, of conflicting interests between these people and the stories they're telling. Meanwhile, uh, you know, my grandpa's also, you know, he's dealing with a lot of other stuff of like um, being back in Europe uh, near the places he had been when last he had been. Um, it was a lot of, not to be insensitive, but to be accurate, corpses. A lot of the places that he goes back to um, on his way to Poland, uh, he traveled through places he'd been before, uh, yeah, where he'd seen only corpses. Um, and while we're on that note, on that tone, uh, in the last batch of episodes I did of this series, um, my grandpa visited the remains of Auschwitz, and then the very next day, uh, he attended a May Day uh, parade, which was a huge thing. Um, so Auschwitz was, of course, a very, very depressing scene. And then the very next day uh, was the sort of a workers' celebration of of May Day, and for me personally, it's a uh, it's interesting. It's just interesting. I don't mean uh, it's not my intent to to criticize my my grandpa. Uh, he was a Republican in in the United States, um, and I I don't think uh, he was not a fascist by any means. No fucking way. That's not where I'm going with this. Uh, it's just that it's sort of a common. Thing that I still see play out today because as he wrote about the May Day things, he was very hypercritical of uh, the quote-unquote communists and started like really kind of grilling his relatives, asking if they were members of the Communist Party, so on and so forth. When at the same time, the, the day before, one day prior, he had been at Auschwitz, which had been liberated by communists. Um, so there's a whole, it's sort of like a conflicting thing here um, that I find very interesting. And well, this episode isn't a complete analysis of like sociopolitical stuff. I will add my own commentary and some of it might be sociopolitical because that uh, it's relevant to everything in our lives always has been, always will be. Um, but this is not like a, a, an exclusively politics podcast or anything. This is just reading a very, very well-written story um, and uh, commenting on it because it's great. Now, um, if you've been following, you probably don't need to hear this, but if you're new, uh, the way I'm doing this is I, I read a portion. I'm reading all in chronological order. I do a free episode, and then I do a bonus episode at my Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. So if you're only catching the free episodes of this series, you are also only catching half of the story. The other half is, well, behind the paywall. But I'm not some fat cat. I'm not, what's his name, Rob Iger, the Disney CEO dude. I'm none of those motherfuckers. I'm not a David Zaslav. Uh, I'm just a struggling artist 
like those who are on the pickets, picket lines right now, except I don't have the uh, privilege of being in a union. I, I wish I was, but uh, that is, has yet to be an opportunity uh, that I've been able to uh, take or pursue. So I'm on my own. I'm putting in the work, and I'm getting by with a little bit of support from members of Patreon. And if you want to become a new member, go to patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames and become a member. There's many different tiers with different perks, but whatever the case, even at the very base perk, you will get access to all bonus episodes and whatever other bonus content I put on there. I've got lots and lots of uh, bonus episodes of this show, uh, of this podcast, and uh, behind the scenes and maybe little uh, logs of my other ongoing project, um, a comedy web series, a comedy shorts web series called uh, Minor Tensions by Dick Whistler. So yeah, if you want to help support the show and get some bonus content to make it worth your money, Go to patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, you can also find me on social media. I've, I'm not going to ramble on that. This has taken long enough. You can find my social media info in the episode description. Uh, there will be links as well as, you know, it'll tell you what account you're going to, be it on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, uh, I also have a Reddit page if you want to come shitpost or maybe post some ideas of stuff you'd like to see me or hear me cover on this show. It's at r slash that thing with James. That's at Reddit. Uh, and then if you want to say nice things to me and maybe also have some ideas of uh, topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, email me at my show email, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Again, it's all in the episode description, as well as a clickable link to patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. There we go. So as I said, in the last batch of these episodes, uh, Grandpa had gone to Auschwitz, uh, and then he attended the next day a big May Day parade, and then uh, he started uh, well, kind of grilling his relatives about um, their possibly uh, Marxist ideologies, which caused him uh, some concern. He's hyper, hyper critical. Um, some things I understand, and then other things I feel um, maybe his perspective came from some stuff that he didn't understand. Um, and then he also started questioning whether or not he could trust all of his relatives. So that's the rundown. Let's pick up where we left off in the previous bonus episode. Uh, so this is, I believe, hopefully I'm getting this right, I believe this is part seven of Grandpa Goes to the Eastern Block. Let me find my spot in the text. I don't remember the exact line I was on, so we'll just start at the top of page 22. Whoa, we're almost halfway through. Excuse me. I'm not cutting that. That's staying in. Okay. Edward's sister, Zofia, 
husband and three children were there, as well as Genovesa, Edward's other sister. Zofia's older daughter was able to wear the 25-cent pair of slacks I had purchased, plus a pair of velvet-type blue jeans. The girl must be eight or nine. She was so happy that I got a long, big hug and kiss. She wore one pair of the jeans under her dress. I thought that was what uh, Elizabeth, Edward's wife, has given, given me for supper. I'm a little confused by that sentence. Well, about an hour later, she served supper for all. I had bigos, uh, cabbage with pieces of meat, which had been made the night before by Edward. We then had open sandwiches, meat, cheese, and tomatoes, donuts, jelly, and cake. About 7.30 p.m., Eugenia, husband, son, and her brother's daughter, uh, they wanted to take me back to her brother's farm for the night. Talk about Eugenia making me feel guilty. I must write while I remember. This is in parentheses. Every day since I came back to Vienna, I must have been wearing the corduroy slacks and jacket you bought me, Mary, plus my top coat. Uh, end parentheses, that was his wife, my grandma. Um, so grandpa was Polish, grandma was Irish, the family was very, very Catholic. Uh, Eugenia was insisting I go back to spend several, uh, go back and spend several days with her sister, Lyokadzia. I had been there just two nights. Eugenia informed me that I was almost a week with Edward. I told her that I had promised to be at Wanda's, uh, I'm leaving out last names here just for, because I feel like it, on Sunday. She reminded me that she was not a relative and that I was going to spend time, more time, with her than Leocadia. I continued by telling her that I wanted to leave Edwards on Thursday, but that she, Eugenia, insisted I spend more time with Edward. Well, Eugenia decided to drive back to Warsaw so that I could leave Sunday for Wanda's. About a mile from home, the car broke down. Fortunately, it was near a street called Line. <laughs> oh, a streetcar line, I misread. Fortunately, it was near a streetcar line, so Eugenia and I took one while husband and son remained to repair the car. He is a mechanic or machinist. The uh, broken part was in the transmission drive. He had had this trouble once before so that he carries a self-made part. So it was a matter of replacement. Eugenia was still working on me to stay here for more days. At midnight, I finally got to bed. May 7th, 1978, Sunday. I awoke at 6.30 a.m. to bathe and shave. For breakfast, I had homemade tomato juice, kielbasa, and rye bread, plus a cake topped with canned blueberries. Eugenia had made the cake after I went to bed. And I remember I mentioned in the last batch of episodes that although food was hard to come by in, uh, you know, socialist Poland, still certainly seemed like they were eating better than a lot of Americans, uh, you know, yours truly included, are today. Interesting stuff. Uh, and also, the food, although it might be hard to come by there, was way more affordable, hence why 
people aren't eating that great in America now. Uh, before going to church, she showed me her stamp collection, her hobby. These are beautiful. Several buildings away is a huge statue of Lenin. More on back of this page. So on some of these pages, he will handwrite uh, notes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the handwritten note. Hopefully, uh, the way this is bound, it tends to cut off the first word of each line. So I have to kind of try to uh, fill in the gaps here. But here's my attempt. Sometime after World War II, the Poles of Krakow were to build a new church. Material land and uh, excavation were obtained. Oh, and excavation was done. Oh, material and land were obtained and excavation was done. The uh, blank build the church, or they planned to build the church elsewhere. In the ensuing uh, confrontation, several people were killed. The government put up a huge statue of Lenin. To this day, that statue is guarded constantly. If it were not, then it would be, oh, if it were not, then it would disappear. My cousin Eugenia lives nearby and also works something, the huge Lenin steelworks. I kidded her about our cousin Lenin. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's just constantly giving them shit for being Marxists, but, you know, whatever. The Marxists were also the ones who fucking defeated the Nazis and, you know, discovered uh, Auschwitz, which, you know, fueled the fucking rage they had against the goddamn fascists and drove them further, even though about 40% of their entire, entire, including civilians, population, I'm talking about the Russians here, were fucking murdered and everything bombed out and burned to the ground and still they fucking marched. And when they found Auschwitz and the other death camps, that only fueled their fucking rage, their conviction to squash the goddamn fascists. But that ain't what this is about. Let's just keep reading. We left for a nine o'clock mass at a new modernistic church, which she wanted to show me. Mary, what a spectacular church, double exclamation mark. You would have loved it. It was opened only last year. The lower portion has a wonderful chapel. Huge crowds were attending the masses. The one prior to ours had first communion for children. The boys were in white suits and the girls in outstanding white dresses. Not, not dresses of a uniform type. Uh, each dress had its own individuality. I went to communion. People knelt at the altar steps at the place where we stand for our communion. Uh, then others left pews to kneel in two opposing rows in the wide aisles to get communion. That was where I was. Polish rock and roll music is as loud as ours, sung in Polish. There are American films, some with dubbed-in voices, Others, one person interprets all voices. Right after church, about 10.30 a.m., Eugenia has started to prepare lunch, which she said we will have at about 1 p.m. Quick note, I'm curious about the uh, Polish 
late 70s rock and roll. If it's as loud as America's, I'm curious. I, I want to hear it because there's a lot of really good like psych and early heavy metal uh, from especially Africa. Africa's got crazy, crazy good uh, psych rock scene that's been around since the 60s. Uh, and quite a few people know about it. A lot of people don't know about it. But trust me, there's a lot of excellent, excellent um, African and even Middle Eastern, like like Persian psych rock. Check it out. I don't have any names recommendations for you, but I've listened to it. I've seen it played live, uh, the uh, African psych bands live at music festivals. Let's get back to the script here. Uh, right after church, uh, about 10.30 a.m., Eugenia has started to prepare lunch, which she said we will have at about 1 p.m. Eugenia has been trying to talk me out of the long train trip from Warsaw to Budapest. She claims that I should fly for only an added cost of a few dollars. Quick note, uh, at the beginning of this entire uh, diary, Grandpa really uh, went through the ringer of trying to save a few bucks. It's, it was very fucking funny. Um, if, if you haven't started from the beginning, I really recommend starting from the beginning because this is an excellent story. And I further recommend becoming a Patreon member so you can get the whole fucking thing. Uh, uh, added cost of a few extra dollars. That's only a few extra dollars to become a Patreon member. Wink. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Now, her sister, Leokadja from Zabrze, is going, I hope I pronounced that right, Z-A-B-R-Z-A-E, Zabrze, is going to stop in on her way home from her brother's farm. So, I foresee more pressure to stay with relatives rather than Wanda. Maybe I will, and just spend two days and one night with Wanda. Then maybe I'll fly to Budapest. I don't know. I might visit my first cousin in Lomsa, Poland. I have been planning and replanning my route. I might forego the trip to Berlin. Every day that I have been in Krakow has been overcast. Today, there is a drizzle. Eugenia and sister Leokadja are married to brothers. In writing... Excuse me? R-I-D-I-N-G? In writing, both wives have the responsibility to provide directions and in time. Oh, I think he means his uh, his lady cousins are supposed to help him with his uh, itinerary. Oh, confusing wording. Okay, there is some voice raising. Ah, yes. Oh, there is some voice raising when directions are not prompt or are misleading. Before church this morning, Eugenia said that the church in Radgostis has records that go back to 1600. Uh, uh, yeah, so my grandpa's having to go to Poland to find information to go deeper with the family tree here. Maybe, only maybe, I'll come back and research the rector records before 1845 and older. We had stopped at 1845. It would be pretty fucking wild 
if he goes back and finds um, family documentation dating back to 1600, uh, I'd like to see that. He's even got a whole spreadsheet of the family tree. He, he went very thorough with this genealogical research. And this is 78, so decades before like um, genealogy.com or familytree.com, whatever the fuck it's called. Certainly before 23andMe. Uh, which I refuse to do. I'm not going to hand over my fucking DNA to some corporation. The cops already got my fingerprints, dude. I've lived life. Genovesa lives in an adjacent farm to Ludvika. Uh, Ludvika has found out that I came back, so the report is that she is raising, quote-unquote, trouble because of the interference by the last names. Ludvika had, there's a lot of static between his maternal family and his paternal family. They do not like or trust each other at all. They're always like, don't trust them. Don't believe anything they say. I'm the only one you can trust. No, I'm the only one you can trust. I'm the real Spider-Man. No, I'm the real Spider-Man. Let's keep reading. Ludvika had informed me that her older uh, son lived too far away to come and see me. Yet, I have learned that he lives only a short distance from his brother and sister whom we visited. Yet again, more lies about family's existence and or location, proximity. Why didn't we visit his home? Well... Ludvika, gotta skip a page here. Well, Ludvika gave him the $15 and other, or will Ludvika give him the $15 and other items? Talk about feuding. What was all that noise? Hmm. My mother's only son, uh, my mother's only brother, Jan, was married twice three children by his first wife who died at childbirth of her third. He remarried to the sister of his first wife. Both wives came to America. The second returned to Poland where the only child, Stanley, was born. The second wife knew that Uncle Jan had a girlfriend in the States. Stanley married Maria, Edward's mother. It was her 18-year-old brother that ki that was killed by Bronislaw. Oh, so some brother murder in the States. There's a lot of history here. You really got to start this from the beginning if you haven't. Uh, it was her 18-year-old brother that was killed by Bronislaw at a wedding party. What? What? Killed at a wedding party? Maria is the one who has taken your outfits, Mary. The Polish greetings of relatives is for men uh, is for men a short handshake and kisses on cheeks. For women, the greeting is kisses on cheeks concluded by one on the lips with the handshake. Interesting. After lunch at 1 p.m., Eugenia and husband took me to a bus line. The husband left, for he had to be at work. Eugenia and I took the bus to the bus terminal. It was raining slightly. She purchased a bus ticket to Bedzin, the nearest place to um, Dabra, 
last name where the last names live. When I got off, I went to a bar, a place that sells refreshments, not liquor. The place was just getting closed at 4 p.m. This had been a two-hour bus trip. I told them that I was an American and looking for a phone. They had none. I was directed to where the tickets were sold some 50 yards away. Uh, there were the There were the ticket clerk, a woman, and two other women. I told them that I was an American who spoke poor Polish and that I was looking for a phone to call a woman to pick me up. They used their phone and uh, they used their phone and contacted the last names. I was told that they would be right down. About a half hour later, the young man, son, in early 20s, came and said he took some means of transportation to come before his parents just to assure me that they were on the way. They arrived shortly in a new Polish Fiat, a very small one. I held my carry-on in my lap. The boy had difficulty getting into the front seat with the other bag. After some maneuvering, the door was closed. We talked until about 7 p.m. and had a supper of kielbasa, ham, bread, a potato, peas, egg salad, a blueberry drink, cheesecake, and another type of cake. Again, again, these criticisms of... And they're eating so fucking well. I've got something to say. I've got something to say, but let's finish this entry real quick. Uh, cake. Both cakes were different and good. We talked until 10.30 when I went to bed. Their apartment is well-maintained and very neat and clean. Wanda, bleached blonde, is dumpy, but very kind. <laughs> God damn, Grandpa. <laughs> she dumpy, but she's all right. She's nice. <laughs> oh, my God. And then we'll stop there for the free episode and pick up uh, where I'm leaving off in this week's bonus episode yet again. Yeah, I'm harping on it, but come on. I've been doing this a long time, got a lot of content for you. I do put a, quite a bit of work into this, even though it may look and sound low rent, I, I do the most with what I have, with the tools and resources at my disposal. And if you want to support that, you can do so at patreon.com slash that thing with James. And I forgot to mention at the top, uh, if you are a relative and you want to hear this story, I do not want to, you know, uh, unintentionally force you to pay me to have to listen to me read a family uh, historical artifact. So if you're a relative, just reach out to me and I will hook you up. I will hook you up. Um, but if you do want, if you want to support anyway, it's very welcome. And I greatly, greatly appreciate your support. And I greatly appreciate the support of all my other patrons. Yes, even the ones I'm not related to. Now, uh, the thing, the thing I said, I, I've got to, I got to say my piece before I wrap this episode up. First, let me take a sip of water. And then I just want to say something about stores and stock and the amount of food these Polish, these 
I think it's okay. I think it's okay for me to say Polacks because I'm a Polak, okay? I can say it because I am one. Let me drink some water real quick. Hold on. Okay, I want to tell you a real quick story, all right? So I used to live in Austin, Texas um, up until uh, like February, end of, n- near the end of February or middle of February 2021 uh, is when I had to clear out. Long story. I've talked about it at great length on this podcast. But a year prior, in about February or so, uh, Emily and I were grocery shopping at um, Central Market in Austin. And I really miss Central Market. It was like, it's better than Whole Foods in so many different ways. The prices are way better. And the quality amount and variety of products you could get also way better. But um, although it's better, I would say it's like the Whole Foods of like HEB. Um, But we were shopping at Central Market and we were at a uh, checkout line and it was a bit of a line. And we were standing behind this middle-aged, well, not middle-aged woman, but an older woman. I believe she would be considered part of like the baby boomer generation. And uh, apropos of nothing, completely unprompted, we hadn't even been looking at her or anything. Emily and I hadn't even been talking to each other. We just had our baskets with our food that we were trying to get through at the express checkout. But we're in this line And uh, this older woman in front of us turns and says something to the effect of, you're so lucky, we are so lucky to live in America where we have all the shelves stocked. In communist Russia, they didn't have anything on the shelves. You couldn't even buy shoes. And everything you could get, what Few things were on the shelves, were so expensive, you couldn't afford it. You have no idea how lucky you are to live in a free country like America. Because in communist Russia, the shelves were all empty. This store would have nothing. Nothing. You might be able to get some shoes. You might be able to get some lettuce or potatoes. But you wouldn't be able to afford it. And it wouldn't be guaranteed that it would be there. Because all these shelves would be empty. And then she turned around and Emily and I looked at each other and just kind of uh, bit the inside of our cheeks to not laugh out loud. But this was completely unprompted, talking about uh, the lack of commodities one could get uh, in the Eastern Bloc and, um, and how there's always commodities on the shelves and how they're always affordable in the United States. Now, that was in about February, like near the end or uh, near the end of February or at the very beginning of March in the year 2022. So not even a full month later, COVID lockdowns started. And we were at that store again, Emily and I were at Central Market. And wouldn't you know, The shelves were empty. Certainly no toilet paper. The shelves were empty. 
and the prices of things had skyrocketed. And wouldn't you know, three years later, here we are, there are still problems. And it's not so much a production issue anymore. It's a fucking uh, stakeholder issue. I've talked on here before about how uh, prohibitively expensive it is to feed yourself with the most basic of products. And it's not because there's scarcity. And it's not because the United States is uh, experiencing the same type of embargo that the United States places on places on places like Cuba or back on uh, the Eastern Bloc. We are not in an embargo. Uh, we are in manufactured scarcity and price gouging and monopolizing. And, well, this is just simply a product of capital. This is capital functioning as it functions. If you look at it like a math problem, what we're experiencing now is the equation, like it is the solution to the equation. Not in not solution as in the fix to the problems, but it's the one plus one equals two. This is what it goes, this is what it leads to. And if a country is very, very invested in keeping you, preventing you from understanding or even talking about the fact that, metaphorically speaking, that one plus one equals two, that's a very telling thing. So I just thought that was ironic. Woman said, we're lucky in America, shelves are always stocked. Not even a month later, the shelves were fucking empty, and it's not gotten a lot better since. Okay, yeah, I'm going to continue reading this, Grandpa. Please don't muck up the works. <laughs> uh, I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.